Are we live? Oh, we on the air? What up, big dogs? Welcome, bike, to the HQ. Welcome, bike, to the channel. I am Nicholas. This is Big Dogs Gotta Eat BDGE Fantasy Football. I hope your weekends, uh, honestly, I hope your weekends were worse than mine because my shit was great. I was in Charlotte for the weekend. Um, so I apologize to any Patreon members for the lack of live stream on Saturday, but trust me, I would have given you absolutely nothing of value if I tried to live stream on Saturday. Because by that time, I was probably like 13 white claws. Actually, <clears throat> we've boycotted white claws because they won't sponsor our videos. So we've switched over to Natty Seltzers, which are actually a fantastic, fantastic replacement. So if you're looking for a White Claw replacement, which you all should be because you're in my audience and we've officially boycotted White Claw together, we are pivoting. We're officially pivoting over to Natty Seltzer. So I was in Charlotte for the weekend, got home later last night, still feeling the side effects a little bit, little bit, little bit. Um, yeah, we could boycott Truly too. I really got nothing against them other than their shitty ass taste inside the actual drinks that they give to us. So Natty Seltzer, much bigger, greater sign over uh, over truly what up Kyle right right man Michael Vess I'm doing doing okay all things considered I'm alive we made it past the weekend let me tell you about the most fucked up thing that happened this weekend so I was there basically it's my best friend Steve his older sister got married and I've known her for like, I've known her for as long as I've known Steve. So maybe 10, 15 years at this point. And uh, we went down to Charlotte because that's where she lives now. My sister also graduated with his sister. So Kyle, you better quit that disrespectful shit stat. And uh, so we had me, Steve, my sister, her friends, my friends, shit like that. We got a big Airbnb. Fast forward through the story because none of that shit was even close to relevant. Steve's girlfriend, we always buy oatmeal cream pies. Every time we go somewhere, by the way, this video is about waiver wire things, but it's like week 13, like, fuck you. Everywhere we go, every time we go somewhere and we have, what up, clock management, we have like a house like that. You know, we obviously run the stop and shop or Costco or wherever to get snacks and fill up on the house. I always get oatmeal cream pies. Goat meal cream pies. They are the single greatest snack ever created by Little Debbie, by any man, right? The problem is, the problem is Steve's girlfriend is fucking diabolical. So they come in, if you're not familiar with what an oatmeal cream pie is, one, like, get the fuck out of my audience. Two, they come in these little packages, little plastic packages. They're like cookie sandwiches. It's beautiful. So you open them, right? And they can't be reclosed. It's not like a, you know, something you could use over or eat later, right? I usually eat like five at a time. There's no reason to save one. So Heather decides it's funny if she would take one, open that shit up, put mayonnaise in the middle because in the middle is cream, right? She puts mayonnaise in the middle. She gets a lighter, she gets heat and she heats the plastic wrap back together. So you wouldn't even be able to tell that they are, that they are, it's a wrapper. There you go. Um, so she heats it back. So you can't even tell. So I'm like four oatmeal cream pies deep at this time. I'm like, let's set a fucking record over here. Let me go for five or six or seven. 
maybe a whole goddamn box. But for some reason, I just took this one individually, opened it up. I bit into it only to, yeah, we're going to talk about waivers in a minute. Calm, calm the fuck down. Um, I bit into it and I'm looking and the cream, the cream is white. And then there's yellow cream in the middle too. I'm like, oh, fuck no. I don't know what little Debbie's trying to do to me. But one, actually, like a real quick positive thought went to my head. Like, oh, we're going to be able to sue little Debs for a minute. The HQ is about to get a fat upgrade. And then I look in the corner and I see fucking Heath and I see Steve. Uh, I see Steve fucking cracking up in the corner. And I didn't know they were looking at me the whole time. I don't know why no one got this as a piece of content for the vlog. I'm going to make a vlog after this weekend. After last weekend, we got some some ridiculous videos, to be honest. And they're just cracking up in the corner the whole time. And little did I realize I bit into a mayonnaise-filled fucking oatmeal cream pie. Um, so for that reason, like for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to. Oh, man, that really ruins, uh, that, that ruins o OPCs for me. It was just the most disgusting fucking thing I've ever seen. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. I hate mayo. I hate anything white sauced. Yo, someone's got to stop calling me right now. It's probably fucking Steve knowing I'm make, telling the story. Um, What the fuck was I talking about? I hate mayo. I hate all white sauce. I hate fantasy football at this point in the season. But we got to talk about it because it's almost week 13. It's almost playoff time. You already talked about some waivers. Yeah, honestly, if you hate mayo, hit that thumbs up, please. Just logged in. What did I miss? Quick quick recap. Literally nothing. You missed nothing of importance that will even slightly affect how your fantasy football team plays. Uh, let's talk about Dynasty by Lowe's. Me and Noah are going to do that. We're going to do a trade target video for Dynasty on Wednesday. Have you seen Undercover Brother? Yes, James, I've seen that shit. Trust me, I would fit in. They would not suspect me of uh, of being a villain in that movie. Real champs eat mayo with a spoon. I'm blocking you. You're getting blocked. I'm going to write that name down. Mike Poole. All right. You're blocked. All right. All right. All right. How do you become a, pa a Patarion? Love that. Patreon.com slash BDGE. If you want the full waiver wire write up, you want to not listen to my ass talk about oatmeal cream pies for six minutes. That's the type of shit I'm going to be on from now on. I don't care. Talking about oatmeal cream pies makes me happy. That's what I'm going to do. That's what my mom always said. Do stuff that makes you happy, Nick. I didn't think it would come down to that, but that's where we're at. Quarterbacks. Waiver wire pickups. Week 13. If you want the in-depth write-up, patreon.com slash BDGE. Hit that thumbs up button if you enjoy the video. I ain't going to break down every quarterback, but there is one quarterback that we just that, that can't be 26% owned, and it's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has been a fucking beast since tanking over in week seven. Since he has been the starting quarterback for the Titans, they have averaged 29.4 points per game with a 4-1 record. That 29.4 points per game, to put into perspective, would be third in the NFL. Baltimore right now is averaging 34.1 points per game. San Francisco, 30.2. This Titans offense has been ridiculous. He has yet to finish, 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 this few as in, 18.94 fantasy points. He had a season-high 32.4 fantasy points on Sunday. He only threw for 259 yards, two scores. But what he gave you is two more scores with his legs. 37, 38, and 40 yards on the ground are his last three rushing performances. 
40 on Sunday, 37 the week before that, 38 the week before that. We're starting to see trends, people. Ryan Tannehill's ground stonks, stonk emoji, big time up. They travel to Indy in week 13, which is not necessarily a fantasy-friendly matchup, but Tanny's just too hot right now. You can't sit the guy. And if you have the luxury of having a better option at the quarterback position, you get to reap the rewards of weeks 14 through 16. Oakland, Houston, New Orleans, get your chopsticks ready, stop yelling, tuck your shirts in, and we're going to eat. Ryan Tannehill, number one quarterback on the waiver wire. Y'all must pick his ass up. Now, when I was originally going through my research and like writing down all the waiver wire possibilities, I had like a list of 15 guys at wide receiver. And then I realized like none of them were really that exciting. When you get to this point in the season, there's not a lot of wide receivers that kind of pop up. Like Devontae Parker has been the one guy over the last month or month and a half that you should have been trying to pick up that he consistently made it back to this list. I don't know how, I don't know why, but there's really no one to get too excited about. So I was looking at Randall Cobb. He's not someone I want to buy in because he's just one of those guys, like the slot receivers, like Cole Beasley and, and blah, 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 that's just going to disappoint you in these upcoming weeks. As soon as he gets hot and as soon as everyone wants to start him, that's when the fucking three for 17 games come in. But but for whatever reason, I'm not sure what the deal is with Amari Cooper. And I say that because, you know, same concerns that we've had throughout the season. Like Cooper was a beast over the first month and a half, two months of the season. And yes, the ankle injury is a concern right now for sure but it was also the same concern earlier on in the year. So I don't know if their defenses are just giving more coverage to Amari Cooper, which they should have done in the beginning of the year, or the ankles bothering or, you know, the lower leg injuries are starting to add up and they're bothering even more now than they were. But what we do know is this Dallas offense has been very, very good. Albeit Sunday, they had a very poor game. But if you look at the passing offense, right, this went from a team last year that basically ran the ball on 50% of their plays. That was, you know, amongst the lowest in the league and has been for years at a time. When we saw Kellen Moore take over, we saw that number jump to around 56, 57, 58%, right? Pass play percentage. And that was what we could have expected going into the year, what we hoped for at least, right? Because even that's still very low. And that's where they're at right now, 56.9%. So basically 57% of their plays are passes. That ranks 23rd in the NFL. However, they've been ridiculously efficient. They are first in the NFL in passing yards per game. 303.5, 13 in pass attempts per game, 36.3. So despite them having the 23rd lowest pass ratio, they are 13th in pass attempts per game, sixth in completions, 24.2 per game. Dak Prescott, prior to this year, his first three years in the league, his season high in passing touchdowns was 23. He's currently on pace for 30 and a half. So Randall Cobb has been a, an extremely big piece of this passing offense over the last month or so. He has seen at least seven targets in four straight games. Gone over 85 yards in three of four games. Um, and now they this is kind of odd. They get back-to-back -back Thursday night games. They get the Bills on Thanksgiving. Then they travel to Chicago. So definitely not plus matchups here. But what we've seen is these top cornerbacks like Chris Harris, et cetera, Drew Davis White will be shadowing Amari Cooper, meaning you know it's likely that we see either a Michael Gallup or a Randall Cobb game. But again, I'm not going to go nuts because we know what Randall Cobb's floor is week in and week out. Like we saw it over the entire fucking first half, first nine weeks of the season where he averaged 40, less than 40 receiving yards a game, 39 receiving yards a game, scored once in the first eight weeks of the season. So I like Randall Cobb. I like Darius Slayton too, but we don't actually know what the deal with, you know, Evan Ingram coming back. Um, I think that would hurt Darius Slayton a little bit because he's also a downfield threat. So only Shepard low-key led the team with nine targets while Slayton outproduced him. Um, Shepard ran 
the or was on the field for the most snaps on Sunday. 57 out of 60 snaps, Shepard was on the field for. Slayton, 51. Tate, 50. Tate, what's funny about Tate is he got a little fucked up, comes off the field to get checked for a concussion. They say, hey, don't worry about it, Tate. Get your ass in there. They, they need to have like a lie detector test on the sideline. That's what they need to do. They clear him to go back in. And then Monday, they announce that he's in a concussion protocol. So, NFL, do better. Do better. We'll have to kind of see what happens with Golden Tate. If he's out, that would probably side Sterling Shepard into the slot and give Darius Slayton pretty much the keys to the outside kingdom for the Giants. So, again, a lot of moving parts. So I'm not like crazy, crazy excited about it. They play the um, Packers next week, I believe. Yes, they play the Packers at home in New Jersey. Uh, who else? No one else really to get too excited about. One guy I low-key really like, I threw James Washington in my lineup actually last minute um, over Robbie Anderson, so it worked out either way, but I felt pretty good about making that call once James Washington had a 79% or 79-yard touchdown catch. Again, though, the problem is when does Juju come back? Devlin Hodges is now taking over as quarterback, but we saw him take some deep shots right away, so that was good to see from a passing perspective. I don't know. If you look at the situation objectively, it's hard to really differentiate between Washington, Deontay Johnson. They're both getting good targets. What happens when Juju is back? James Conner comes back. They go more run heavy. Like they want to mask Devlin Hodges. It's kind of shitty. Um, so I, I don't know. I throw a couple of dollars down on James Washington if you want to, but I'm not too excited about it. Chris Conley is a guy that I low key really, 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 really like for this week. And I'll explain. This Jacksonville defense has been atrocious over the last few weeks. And I actually, let me bring up the tweet that I put out this morning. If you're not following me uh, on the Twitter, make sure your ass is going to do that. You want to look that? Don't do that. You want to Okay. So the Jacksonville run defense in particular, I mean, their past defense has been bad too, but the run defense, week 10, Carlos Hyde, 19 for 160, 8.4 yards per carry. Week 11, the next week, they let up over 100 rushing yards to both Marlon Mack and Jonathan Williams. 7.8 yards per carry for Marlon Mack, 8.9 yards per carry for Jonathan Williams. This previous week, Derrick Henry, 19 for 159, two touchdowns, 8.4 yards per carry. So they're literally, literally letting up over eight yards per carry to running backs over the last three weeks. She's getting absolutely tossed, and it is forcing their offense to go on the attack. Uh, Nick Foles has had 47 and 48 passing attempts consecutively in these weeks back-to-back. Connolly's volume is going very under the radar. He's had at least seven targets in five straight games. It's very possible that he just might not be good at football and that the volume does not always lead to opportunity, but it's also very possible that he is inches away from monster games. He had 176 air yards on Sunday. 176 air yards on Sunday. I didn't even know that was possible, to be honest with you. But now, since Nick Foles has returned, he has seen eight and nine targets in those individual games. On Sunday, he only caught four of those nine targets for 49 yards. But again, 176 air yards. The volume is there. Nine targets is nothing to fucking, you know, insert stupid ass corny phrase. It's something to have on your radar, especially when you're getting these downfield throws that Chris Conley is getting. So they get an absolute smash spot against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home in week 13. The Bucs have allowed the seventh most passing yards of 20 plus, seventh most passing plays of 20 plus yards this year, 43 of them. And the fourth most 40-plus yard plays, 10 on the season. So they're letting up almost a 40-yard pass every single game. Conley, of course, will be a boomer bust option week 13, but he has a higher floor than people realize and an absolute beautiful, beautiful matchup. So if you're filling in someone at the wide receiver position, Chris Conley seems like the guy to me. 
what else do we got here? Um, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, 16% owned. Everyone talked about in this video is 60% owned or fewer in Yahoo leagues. If you want the complete write-up in depth on every position and all players outside of players I just talked about in this video, this is just a very brief overview. Y'all can head over to patreon.com slash B-D-G-E. Fuck mayonnaise and fuck the volume that AJ Brown is getting right now. He's a guy that I love more than you. I can tell you that for a fact. But I don't trust the volume, man. Despite how good Ryan Tannehill has been for fantasy, a lot of it is coming via his legs. And a lot of it is coming via efficiency near the red zone. So if you just look back, like, I mean, you could just tell it's a boomer bust type of player. He's a ridiculously talented boomer bust type of player. But those are the guys that tend to get you in trouble because you want to combine the volume or the recency bias with the talent. And that very rarely works out, especially in an offense that loves to run the ball. If you look at the receiving totals over the last month and a half, individual games for A.J. Brown, 27, 23, 64, 11, 81, 17. And then, of course, most recently on Sunday, he had his career high, 135 receiving yards. But he only saw five targets. Ryan Tannehill only threw the ball 18 times. It is good that we're finally starting to see him basically be on the field as an every down player. Like, I don't understand how you could be in Tennessee Titans coaching staff and not have that happening from the beginning of the season. But it's here now. He's been playing on a lot of the snaps, basically every single snap. They get the Colts again in week 13. So I guess roll the dice if you want. But I'm here to say be cautious. Also, a lot of running backs to be cautious about this week. We don't know the status of Damian Williams. He looked like he was in a lot of pain. Looks like he's dealing with a rib injury. I don't think we've gotten any sort of update when it comes to Damian Williams so far. I'll type his name in real quick on the twatter. Nope, ain't seen the motherfucker. So when he went down, Darrell Williams and LaShawn McCoy took over the backfield. Both guys are pretty uh, available in leagues. LaShawn McCoy is 51% owned right now. Darrell Williams is 6% owned. They get a great matchup at home against Oakland. They're going to split the backfield. Uh, last week, Darrell Williams played on 43% of the snaps. LaShawn McCoy played on 40% of the snaps. Also, just to interject real quick, thank you to any of y'all that have been putting the timestamps in after these waiver wire videos. Y'all are real fucking kings out there. And I appreciate you doing that because everyone just yells at me during the live streams. Like, I can't do the timestamps for the live streams unless I go back and then put them in after the video already happened. So for all y'all that have been doing that throughout the live streams, thank you so much. It is very much appreciated. It is not unnoticed. Thank you. Um, Darrell Williams saw 11 carries to McCoy's seven. Neither of them were successful on the ground efficiency speak. Both of them did get in the end zone though. So we're getting goal line touches. We're getting red zone touches. We're getting involved in the passing game. McCoy saw six targets to Williams's three targets. So I prefer shady. We've also seen Andy Reed lean on shady when we were without Damian Williams, like shady became the guy. So we've seen him do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again. So obviously stay very in tune with what's happening with Damian Williams. Uh, McCoy would become a high upside, I would say, RB2 in week 13 if Dame is out. Darrell would also be a pretty good flex play. Um, so I like both those guys. I mean, listen, if you're competing for a playoff spot and, like, you need a running back, LaShawn McCoy could literally get you a win this week. So I would actually use the number one waiver wire on him if we hear reports leading up to the waiver wire in which they're not on the positive side for Damian Williams. So I would spend, you know, 10, 15 bucks, 20 bucks if you really need to uh, on LaShawn McCoy. I'm, I'm ready to roll the dice at this point in the season. Bo Scarborough, 19 carries, 98 yards. He actually went over 100 yards, and then he got tackled for a loss, which went under. He did not get 
any involvement in the passing game, which is scary to see. And that's a concern of mine because without Stafford, you're not going to see very many run heavy game scripts, but I mean, to get a 20 carry running back off the wire is obviously huge. 43% own. They take on the bears on Thanksgiving, but the bears will likely be without both of their top run stoppers in Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan. He's a solid floor play. Like we saw, he was, you know, he actually showed some explosion, which is not unsurprising considering he's a, a size speed specimen. He's a solid floor play, I'd say, with limited upside, giving his one early down usage. Uh, his schedule gets very tough over the remainder of the uh, the remainder of the fantasy schedule. Chicago at Minnesota, Tampa Bay at Denver, all very hard teams to run against. I prefer Shady to Scarborough, uh, but I would be happy winning either. And then the big, the, the, uh, there's actually two more big names, or at least names that people are going to get excited about: Anzivavaya, and that would be Shaw Penny. Benny Snell. Now, I guess we'll get Benny Snell out the way first, and I would like to say that Benny Snell just ain't it, fam. I get that you're going to be excited about him. 21 carries, 98 yards, caught one pass for five yards. Basically, Bo Scarborough, but less explosive. Benny Snell is a very, very subpar athlete, 4.66, just extremely low athleticism across the board. He is a grinder in every sense of the word, not going to be involved in the passing game. James Conner, the Pro Bowl running back, will be back within a week or two, so I am definitely not you know, spending a bunch of fab on Benny Snell. I will say like he is worth a stash. He is worth a pickup because we know James Conner's um, injury history, but I'm definitely not too excited about Benny Snell. And again, third string running back or third string quarterback playing in front of him. It's just a pretty sloppy, sloppy situation. Rashad Penny. So these Rashad Penny sightings have been very few and far between this year. I ain't gonna lie. When I rewatched some of this game, that shit looked like Eddie Lacy was running. I was like, yo, they really brought Eddie Lacy back? That's so disrespectful to Rashad Penny. And then I was like, oh, shit, what I just said was so disrespectful to Rashad Penny. He, he looks kind of fat, man. He looks kind of fat. And one of the big things coming into last year, his rookie year, was that he was not in shape. He was unconditioned, and uh, that's why he fell behind. And then this year, they were like, oh, he's going to be in such good shape. And I guess, you know, he got depressed being the backup and shit and start eating again and it is what it is. That 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 extra thickness, maybe in the legs, gave him more muscle power or something because he busted out a 58-yard yard touchdown run. Basically sealed the victory against the Eagles. Ended up with 14 carries, 129 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Chris Carson lost two fumbles. Well, he fumbled the ball, didn't lose it, and then fumbled the ball in the next play and lost it. That had been a concern of Carson owners pretty much all season, and that would be the only reason that Penny kind of got back into the lineup because Carson had been absolutely – dominating uh, carries and just a workload overall. But he only saw eight carries in this one to Rashad Penny's 14. However, however, the only, you know, the one thing that scares me now is I thought Penny would be more involved in the passing game throughout this season, but that got away from him very quickly. Chris Carson actually led the team on Sunday with four receptions, which is kind of ridiculous considering you have a guy like Tyler Lockett on the field. But he had four receptions, led the team, Rashad Penny didn't have a single reception. This was a game that Russell Wilson only completed 13 passes. So I don't know. Pete Carroll came out and said, you know, he all but said that this was going to be a committee going forward. Do I think it'll be 50-50? No, I still think this is definitely Carson's backfield, relatively speaking. And he's going to get, you know, a lot of the valuable receptions, but it makes him much harder to trust now. Like he's more of like a low to medium running back too than that confident, you know, low RB1 that you'd put in week in and week out. Rashad Penny went from basically a great handcuff 
to having standalone value going forward. I, I don't see any scenario in which Rashad Penny just outright takes a job from Carson. I think they're both going to be used simultaneously um, and, and split snaps and split carries going forward. Maybe we'll see Penny get a little bit more work in the passing game just, just by getting more overall snaps um, in general. But I think it just kind of fucks up the entire situation. Like they're just going to cannibalize each other going forward. Um, like, I don't think Penny becomes a league winner. I don't think he takes over the job and then starts getting 20 touches a game. I just don't see that happening because Chris Carson has just been too good for almost two years now. The fumbling is definitely an issue, though. The Hawks, their schedule, two primetime games, weeks 13, weeks 14. I believe it's Monday night and then Sunday night, Minnesota at LA Rams. Very, very far from plus matchups. But they finish at Carolina, who just lost possibly uh, Don Terry Poe, the third highest graded run blocking D lineman per PFF. And then at home against Arizona. So those are plus matchups. We'll have to see what even happens by that time in the season. Maybe it's back to Chris Carson's backfield. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Carson gets 18 carries this week and Penny gets like nine and then Penny's almost unusable outside of a very desperate flex play. So I'm not someone, I'm not going to be spending too much money on Penny. McCoy would definitely be my top target. I like Bo Scarborough because one, he doesn't have another guy even competing for carries with him. Um, And two, he's shown some explosion. So I like Bo Scarborough as well. Tight ends, I mean, you have Dallas Goddard, Ryan Griffin, uh, guys. It's just like I, I don't need to do any more talking about them. You know them. You've heard everything you can possibly hear about them throughout the year. Jack Doyle becomes a little bit interesting, though. Zarek Ebron, Ebron was just placed on the IR. Now, he should he should relatively be in, in store for a big end of the fantasy season. But he's shown almost nothing up to this point in the season. I want to pull up his stats real quick. Like, I don't think he's really even had a big game outside of scoring a touchdown or something. Uh, receiving yardage total, one game over 46 yards. 20, 21, 46, 22, 19, 21, 61, 22, 44, 28. So more often than not, he's around the 20 yardage mark. But obviously, uh, the thing about being a Colts tight end is that they're so heavily involved by the end zone. So a lot of touchdowns that go to Ebron. Uh, Doyle has scored twice in the last three games, so you would expect the volume to go up, though I don't want to get crazy because this is not an offense that is predicated around their passing game. Right, Brissett's been very good, been very efficient, has absolutely held his own as the Colts quarterback, but a lot of the weapons have not you know, become what we'd hoped they'd be. Uh, Funch has obviously been hurt. Paris Campbell's been hurt. Zach Pascal's been very up and down. Hilton's been hurt. Name Hines hasn't really done shit. So it's kind of been the tight ends that have had their up and down games. Um, I think he'll give you a nice volume floor, but that doesn't always translate into a production floor. I do think the touchdown upside weekly is, you know, up there with just about any tight end in the NFL at this point. And that always makes for a good streamer. Uh, I, they also have two very tough playoff matchups for fantasy at New Orleans and Carolina for weeks 15 and 16. And both those are super, super stingy against the tight end. So Doyle, interesting name on the wire. I'm not going to go crazy about him, but definitely someone to add if you are desperate at the position. As for defensive streamers, actually a lot of very good options this week. You have the Eagles minus nine at home against Miami. We have the Cowboys minus seven at home against Buffalo on Thanksgiving. I don't know how much I love that. I don't think the, the Cowboys defense is – that great. And I think Buffalo's offense is really not terrible either. Carolina minus 10 at home against Washington over under a 41. That's a fantastic stream. Only 33% owned Kansas city. I absolutely love the Kansas city stream this week coming off the bye. No one does it better than Andy Reed. 21% owned minus nine and a half. That'll get up to double digits against Oakland at home, Kansas city. 
the Derek Carr is going to have to throw the ball a lot. The Oakland Raiders are going to have to throw the ball a lot. Always leads to more sacks, more interceptions, hopefully a touchdown or two for the Kansas City defense. They are they're up there with Philly and Carolina as my three favorite streams of the week. Um, and that pretty much sums up the waiver wire for this one, y'all. I hope you enjoyed. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button if you do. What we got going up in here in the chat? What y'all yelling about this week? What are people mad on the internet about now? Frank Reich said Marlon Mack is out again this week. Okay, I would have brought up Jonathan Williams, um, but obviously he is owned in more than 60% of leagues. John Gruden told reporters just now that Hunter Renfro may be done for the season. Pretty irrelevant for fantasy. Eagles waved Jordan Matthews. Ah, fuck. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? All right. Again, if you all enjoyed this, make sure you hit the thumbs up. If you want to um, subscribe on Patreon, make sure y'all do so. Patreon.com slash B-D-G-E. Yeah, Julio did not play, did not practice. I uh, I mean, his shoulder got pretty fucked up. I have Russell Gage in uh, the waiver wire write-up, the one on Patreon. I just didn't, I'm not about to go into 50 d- different players that y'all could probably pick up. Um, but yeah, Russell Gage becomes interesting. If Julio is out, I think y'all play a turkey bowl. Um, no, I mean, when I lived back in Jersey, I did, but not right now in Brooklyn because most of my friends are kind of scattered across the East Coast. Yo, do a kicker defense waiver pickup. I, I fucking just hit all the, the waivers, bro. I mean, the defenses. All right, so content for the rest of the week. Uh, I'm going to get a vlog out to y'all probably this weekend of the last few weeks plus the wedding I was at in Charlotte this weekend. Tomorrow or Wednesday's video with Noah is going to be trade targets for Dynasty, buy low, sell high. Thursday will be injury report with Dr. Morse. Friday will be fade the public. We're talking about league winners um, for the rest of the season, the playoffs and things like that. Saturday, as always, will be the Patreon live stream, which you can get access to on patreon.com slash BDGE, as well as DFS and Monkey Knife Fight player prop video with Joe. And Sunday, we get football. Football day in America. All right, y'all. I love you. Thank you for joining me. Hit that thumbs up button if you enjoyed. Drop some comments. Hit starts down below that I will definitely not answer, but I love you for doing so anyways. Peace. Yeah, Doc's had a rough one. Uh Doc's had a rough one on Twitter the last couple of weeks. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.